is it looking now? Good. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sorry for that. All right, so like we said, um, we're going to be talking about domestic violence and sexual violence in the time of COVID. So, oops, sorry. All right, so um, several reports from around the world have showed both an increase and a decrease in reported cases of violence, uh, domestic violence. So in Australia, they've actually seen a three, um, they've seen an increase in uh, services for domestic violence. And China actually saw a threefold increase of reported domestic abuse incidents in February 2020 when compared to February 2019. And then individual states in America have seen increases ranging from 21 to 35%. However, some places are showing the opposite, right? So possibly fewer victims are reaching out. In the beginning of the pandemic, New some New Mexico shelters actually saw a decrease of 33%. So these statistics show the significance of not relying solely on statistics when evaluating the effects of COVID on domestic violence. So um, why is this being why is domestic violence being affected? Studies show that the impact of humanitarian crises and natural disasters often lead to increased rates of domestic violence. We've got isolation, psychological um, stressors, any mental health problems, economic stressors. Um, possible negative coping mechanisms, and these are all coming together to worsen domestic violence. So um, as it's fairly novel, we don't have um, very many statistics uh, on domestic violence since COVID started, but I was able to get some stuff from New Mexico from a few years back. I think it can serve as a baseline for just kind of numerically what we're dealing with. So lifetime incidents of domestic violence in New Mexico is about a third, a little bit higher for women. Um, so, sorry, most of these are uh, per, um, perpetuated by current or former partners within a household. So while a lot of our cases are mental health patients and they're going to be either children or, um, or siblings that are doing the violence, the, typically with domestic violence, it's a former or current partner. Um, in 2017, there were almost 20,000 incidents in New Mexico. Almost nine grand of those were in Bernalillo, and APD had 7,772. Um, and in 2017, a quarter of these included drug, drugs or alcohol. Um, just touching base on sexual violence, um, there's in 2014, there was about 5,600 attempts or attempted rapes of women in New Mexico, and 3,106 for men. 87% of these were committed by someone the victim knew. And then as we know, sexual violence is closely related to domestic violence and victims of sexual violence are at increased risk of future sexual violence. So <laughs> I know I just said that, that we're not gonna rely, we should probably shouldn't rely solely on statistics, but unfortunately that's the bulk of the information out there. Um, there are two studies that I was able to find that I found were fairly interesting. One was in Dallas. And so um, Dallas PD officers are required to enter all reports into this report management system. So the study looked at the incident reports that occurred from January 1st to April 27th. Their stay-at-home order was implemented on March 24th. So they saw two statistical um, trends. One was an increase in domestic violence after March 24th, but then a decrease after April 7th. So overall, they didn't find a difference in domestic violence, but they did notice a difference with the stay-at-home order. Um, the other study was in Chicago, and this study looked at cell phone block activity and administrative 911 and crime data 
from Chicago to evaluate the effects of stay-at-home order on calls for police services, crimes reported by the police, and then arrests made relating to domestic violence. So after um, the stay-at-home order was implemented, there was actually a decrease in total calls for police service, but they saw an increase in domestic violence-related calls. This was most notable in areas with increased time spent at home, in areas with households that were married with children. And then interestingly, um, they had a more than twofold increase in domestic calls for households that had not had domestic violence calls in the past. So um, yeah, so that kind of makes sense. Um, so after evaluating their study, they suggested the following, that COVID-19 reduced interactions between civilians and police, possibly to attempt to maintain social distancing, that third parties and our neighbors were most likely to report domestic crimes, but the victims themselves were less likely to follow through with a police report. The idea behind this is that there's a concern of uh, future backlash as these victims are in the same and spending possibly more time with their abusers. Um, the nature and the severity of the calls were different during this period. So specifically calls for battery did not change over the period, but reported cases and arrests decreased. And lastly, um, in Dallas, CPS or Child Protective Services is responsible for most of the child maltreatment calls. And they saw a decrease in calls to their hotline, which um, makes sense as typically teachers, counselors, administrators are the primary reporters. And if kids aren't in school, we're not getting, we're not getting sight of them. Um, lastly, they estimated that almost 1,000 cases of domestic violence went underreported um, between March and April. So to talk about reasons that COVID is affecting domestic violence. So we've got um, substance misuse, financial strain, isolation. These are all well-known domestic abuse risk factors. People are spending more time in close quarters and we know that that can be fairly challenging. Um, increased unemployment rates and then increased alcohol and substance use. So Australia actually saw an increase of their alcohol goods sales by greater than 36%. Um, since COVID began. And then there's also decreased opportunities to identify and intervene in domestic violence cheat, uh, incidents. Uh, we've got difficulty in accessing protective resources. So orders of confinement and social distancing have led to isolation of victims in their homes, decreased time with the report, uh, support systems, and there's actually greater opportunities for abusers controlling and violent behaviors, such as placing restrictions on movement, monitoring uh, phones, electronics, and internet use. And lastly, there's these infectivity concerns, which is fairly unique with COVID. Um, reports show that COVID-19 has actually been used as a tactic by abusers to further control their victims. There have been reports of misinformation used by intimate partners to, um, uh, sorry, related to the extent of quarantine measures. And then a survey in France actually showed that one of the main reasons for decreased medical consultations after domestic violence was fear of being infected. So resources in our community, I'm sure you're all aware of these. I just called them and um, saw what was had changed with um, COVID. So Valencia Shelters and Las Lunas and their uh, all services are available. Domestic Violence Resource Center and Enlace Comunitario are not offering as many services in person, but they still are, but mostly by phone. And then Safe House is not providing any in-person counseling services. 
for shelters, safe houses at 50% capacity and people can't leave unless for medical reasons or work. Haven House requires COVID testing, a 14 day quarantine and shelter. When I called them, um, the lady I spoke with actually mentioned that that was a reason some people weren't coming in was because of the required COVID testing. And then Barrett Foundation can designate individual rooms for people with symptoms of COVID. Um, when I was going through this, I found this GBV is gender-based violence pocket guide app. Um, it's not, it's a lot of fairly elementary information, but the app was useful in that it has information in different languages and it also has an information sheet where you can enter your own information for different services for quick reference. There's also the ability to download um, useful PDFs, which could be nice. And I flew, that, flew through that. Um, what questions are there? I had a question. This is Detective Melendres from APD. Uh, you mentioned one of the statistics was that once you've become the victim of sexual violence, that you were more likely to become the victim in the future. Um, what are some of the reasons why that is? Um, so I, this is off the top of my head, but from my understanding is once someone's been victimized, they're either because of um, because of their kind of their understanding of relationships, they seek out future relationships where they may end up being in that sat, like, uh, compromised position again. Um, there was this one study I remember reading that showed that people that are getting assaulted for the second time actually fight less than if they um, if they hadn't been assaulted prior. Um, and interestingly, that study also mentioned that people who fight are less likely to be sexually assaulted again. Um, so I think there's several things that go into that, but it's fairly noteworthy. And then also kind of interestingly is even though that's the case, they're seeing a lot of uh, first time abusers, which is interesting with COVID. Does that make sense? It does, thank you. Yeah. What other questions? All right, well, these are my resources. <laughs> In case y'all want to go through that. And that's it. I can say if anyone on the network who doesn't have a microphone, they can type in their questions and I'll, I'll relay them to the doctor. Hey, Doc, it's Lawrence Saavedra with APD. Hi there. Um, thank you for being here. Just um, did they talk, or any of the research talk about um, ways that we could combat this or if they're training? healthcare workers to try to pick up on certain things during this time? I mean, obviously, you know, we're masking up when we go to the hospitals, things like that, that may hide some of this stuff. Um, I'm not even sure if they're still asking those same questions, you know, like if you feel safe at home and stuff like that. But did the research talk about that at all? Um, the research, unfortunately, did not talk about that. I think it's still too new or too, um, soon, uh, early in the pandemic still, to have responded appropriately. The other thing is that with COVID, we're shifting resources around and naturally there's a lot of people with COVID that we're trying to provide those resources to for immediate um, benefit. But that also means that a lot of places are um, seeing fewer resources going to domestic violence. Um, I think that, I think that as far as in my understanding, those questions about like those safety questions um, are still being asked. But I'm not sure if that's 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 what I've seen at UNM. I'm not sure if that's normal. 
Um, as far as what we can do, kind of combating it, I think just being aware of why um, people may not follow up on the police reports, um, like I mentioned, because of fear of like future backlash. So even if the neighbor heard um, a domestic violence incident and reported it, there's not necessarily going to be a follow up with that because the person might be worried that their partner is going to take um, get worse in some way as they're still stuck with them in the house. Um, and then we're also seeing a lot of first time offenders as well. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Chirillo, APD CIU. So are you seeing more like sexual violence within the domestic relationships because of the quarantining or are we talking about sexual violence as individuals act out in society? So again, there's not much research out there, unfortunately, especially in sexual violence. And we all know sexual violence is like horribly underreported as well. We do know that sexual violence and domestic violence go together. So if we can assume that domestic violence is increasing with COVID, I would assume that so is sexual violence.